Hey, everybody. Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, and a lot of things in between. And it is one of my favorite seasons. No, not the fall. It is the beginning of a new Supreme Court term. Now, Joe and I are going to bring you an episode where we break down the big about nine to 10 cases that the court has already agreed to hear this term. They're going to add some cases as we move through the term that begins on Monday, October 3rd. But what I want to do right now is focus on just a few of the cases that I believe are tied around one main theme, and that is really freedom from discrimination. So by now, we all know that there are five people who have the power to fundamentally reshape our society, and they will likely reshape our society again in the next nine months. Now, these, of course, are the five members of the Supreme Court that can form a majority. And in this case, we have a conservative court by six to three. But what we know is that this court is so conservative, they don't need the chief justice to make their decisions. So we have five people who, again, in the next nine months between October 3rd and probably the last day of the term, June 30th, who could fundamentally reshape what our society looks like. For this short episode, again, I'm going to focus on this idea of whittling away at our protections against discrimination. And there's a couple of cases that I want to focus on, and they come at this issue of freedom from discrimination from a couple of different angles. Now, the first case is one that the court is going to hear the second day of the term on Tuesday, October 4th. And this is a case that deals with the Voting Rights Act. Section two of the Voting Rights Act is something we've talked about on the podcast a little bit. It basically, in its broadest form, is meant to protect against racial discrimination when it comes to voting laws. So it's supposed to protect against things like vote dilution. Now, this brings us to the case the court's going to hear. It's a case out of Alabama. Alabama, like all other states, got its census information, its 2020 census information, and redrew its district line. So in Alabama, like most states, it's state lawmakers that draw district lines. And they drew the House district lines. There were seven districts. And the way they drew those lines is to ensure that there was a Black majority in only one district. This is basically something called packing, where you pack all of the minority voters into one district and you crack the minority voters, meaning disperse them into other districts. The point being that Black voters can really only choose the candidate of their choosing, only have a significant voice in one district because they've been packed into that one district and can't really form a majority or a coalition in the other six districts because they've been dispersed. Now, this is a way of diluting minority vote power. And after the districts were drawn, voters, members of the local NAACP, they sued in federal court. And a three-judge panel of district court judges, two who are appointed by former President Trump, said, this isn't even a close call. This looks like it is a violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And they said to Alabama state lawmakers, 
go back and redraw these district lines. Alabama didn't want to. They appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, actually, we're going to freeze this case. Basically, we're going to allow the district lines that the lower court judges thought it was far more likely than not that they were a violation of the Voting Rights Act. They let those lines stand while Alabama prepares for the midterms. And they said, we're going to hear the case. So that's the case the court's going to hear on October 4th. Now, I'm going to offer to all of you that the court doesn't freeze the district lines that arguably violate the Voting Rights Act, meaning allow those district lines to be used and then decide to hear the case if they're not planning to whittle away at the protections that are part of Section 2 of the Landmark Voting Rights Act. So that's one case where I think we're going to see this Supreme Court really whittle away at one aspect, one way that the law tries to protect us from discrimination, and this type of discrimination is discrimination against voters. Now, I'm going to stay with voting rights and elections for a minute and talk about the next case that actually hasn't been set for oral arguments yet, but it's a case that deals with a different aspect of redistricting and voting rights. It's also a case we've talked about on the podcast before. It deals with something called the independent state legislature doctrine. And it's a case that I actually think could be the most impactful case of the term. The court is basically going to decide whether when the Constitution says that state legislatures determine the time, place, and manner of federal elections – Does legislatures in the Constitution mean just lawmakers, or does it mean, as we have understood really for years and years, does it also mean state court judges, governors, secretaries of state? Now, let's talk through what this would mean. If the court decides that that word legislature only means state lawmakers, then it's state lawmakers that will have the final word on issues that are related to federal elections, including redistricting. Now, what does that mean to say they have the final word? It means that a state court judge, appellate court judges, the state Supreme Court would have no ability to review what state lawmakers do when it comes to making changes to federal elections. And again, this includes redistricting, but it also potentially includes sending electors to the Electoral College. So the only group, the only people who could second guess the decisions of state lawmakers when it comes to federal elections is federal judges, but only if the issue raises a federal legal question. So this would provide state lawmakers so much more power when it comes to determining a variety of aspects of federal elections. And again, I'm putting this largely under the rubric of freedom from discrimination because we know that one thing, or I know one thing that I think the court will do is if they say, yes, that word legislature means just state lawmakers, we're going to see state lawmakers engage in a lot more political and racial gerrymandering and 
I don't think all of those cases will be, quote unquote, saved by federal court judges, particularly if the Supreme Court, as we just talked about, whittles away at the Federal Voting Rights Act. This brings us to a different topic. So we're outside of redistricting and elections, and it actually brings us to the really much anticipated cases. They're going to be heard on Halloween that deal with affirmative action. And I'm discussing these cases today because their affirmative action is a way of dealing with racial discrimination. But again, it's looking at the issue from a different angle. So the court is going to hear oral arguments in two cases that ask whether public and private colleges and universities can use race-based affirmative action programs as part of their admissions process. Now, the current legal standard is that, yes, they can. Race can be one factor in the admissions process. That standard was set back in 2003. Once again, we see the fact that the court took the case at all almost certainly means that the court wants to change the law. Now, how do they want to change the law? Well, this is a really conservative Supreme Court. And so I would say what they're going to do is conclude that race-based affirmative action programs violate the Constitution and federal law. Again, there's really no reason to take up these cases unless you want to change the law. So that's another place where I think we're going to see the Supreme Court really fundamentally shift our understanding of what's allowed in higher education. And obviously what colleges and universities are trying to do is create more diverse campuses. This brings us to yet another type of discrimination that I want to talk about. And this is the last case I'll discuss on this quick episode, which is discrimination based on one's status as a member of the LGBT community. Now, this is a case that I think in any other term might be the blockbuster case. And it's about an artist who wants to design websites for couples who are about to get married, but she doesn't want to design websites for same-sex couples because she argues that that violates her religious beliefs. The legal problem for this artist would-be website designer is that the state's anti-discrimination law would prevent her from being able to say, well, I'm not going to serve you based on your LGBTQ status. What do we expect in this case? I think we expect more of what we saw last term, which is this court continuing on the trend of protecting people who voice religious objections, even if that's in the face of anti-discrimination laws. So that's a quick tour of cases that are coming up, all of which in a variety of different ways deal with discrimination and the law basically trying to react to, remedy, prevent discrimination. And again, what do we expect? We expect that this court is going to have really big energy behind changing the law. And at least five members of the court, I think, are going to continue to turn really sharply to the right. The Chief Justice, John Roberts, will try and do this a little bit more slowly, but we'll see if he has any success. And we're going to see cases that I think are starkly more conservative than cases we've seen in maybe 75 to 100 years. Now, 
this all brings up the issue of we have a Supreme Court that is on a lot of issues pretty far out of step with mainstream thought, mainstream political and legal thought. Is that a problem? Well, just as a reminder, we don't elect judges for a reason. We don't elect federal judges because we want them to be outside of politics. But if they're too far out of step with what we, the people, want at any given time when it comes to reproductive rights or gun control or freedom from discrimination or you know any variety of criminal justice issues, then the court does risk being viewed as illegitimate. And that's something we're going to talk about throughout this next Supreme Court season. Justice Elena Kagan has said, basically, I'm worried about the legitimacy of the court. Just this week, Justice Alito said there's no reason for that and basically clapped back at Justice Kagan. So one thing we need to watch is, will there be more of this sniping in the media by the two justices or more than just those two? So One more thing to remember, this is the first term with Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson on the court. She, of course, replaced her former boss, Justice Stephen Breyer. Now, she probably won't change the bottom line for a lot of the cases I just mentioned, meaning they will still be six to three or five to four with conservatives in the majority. But what we all know is you have a dinner party with nine people one person gets up, I think I've used this example on the podcast before, another person comes and sits down, maybe they generally hold the same views, but they're still going to change the conversation. And so what we need to look for is how much is she really going to be able to change the conversation and how much will she be able to try and pull back her conservative colleagues from making big decisions. So all of that and more we will continue to talk about. And as always, please listen, rate, subscribe. It helps a lot. And you can find me across social media at Levinson Jessica. We wish you a great day and we'll talk to you soon.